From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. Today we're doing the NC State Podcast, the NC State Preview. And uh, in order to get some help on that, I'm, I'm enlisting the help of James Henderson from Inside Pack Sports. Those of you on, uh, who listen to this podcast regularly know that I don't have a bunch of guests, but I will do it once in a while when there's somebody that I think really knows their stuff and, uh, and can bring some, some help to the table on this. And James is as good as it gets when it, co- when it comes to covering NC State and understanding what's going on in the field. So I'm gonna enl- I've enlisted his help for this podcast and uh, I know he's going to bring a lot to the table for those of you interested in what to expect from NC State. Before I, before I bring him on, I do want to thank my first sponsor, and that is EPR Creations. EPR Creations partners with small businesses for website development and online strategy planning. EPR Creations is who I use to launch showthesafeties.com, which should be live by the time this, uh, this podcast airs. I've got, uh, I'm, I'm actually in the process of finalizing the first video to, uh, to get going there. But if you are interested in seeing better angles when you're watching college football or pro football on television, sign the petition at showthesafeties.com. We're going to try to get the attention of ESPN and CBS and Fox and the rest who, uh, who shoot college football and see if maybe we can bring television into the modern era. EPR Creations is who I trusted to do that, who I enlisted to, to launch that site. They're the best in the business. If you have any online needs, if you need a, a website, to, if you need to spruce it up to launch a new website, if you need online strategy planning, search engine optimization, EPR Creations is the best in the business. Give them a holler. Tell them you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. Information in the show notes. Now, without further ado, we're going to get to the interview with James Henderson. All right, so I'm joined now by James Henderson, the publisher at Inside Pack Sports. You can access his quality NC State content on Twitter as well, at Inside Pack Sport, no S. James, welcome, and uh, glad to have you on here to uh, get a little intel of what's going on in Raleigh. Yeah, Jason, man, I appreciate it. As always, anytime, just give me a call. Yeah, so let's go ahead and just jump right in. Uh what what's your what's the general feeling coming into this game uh in, in at NC State what should Florida State fans expect to see i know uh this is a a young team it's a team that lost a lot of nfl talent and a lot of leadership from last year so through four games what's the general feeling for a 4 and 0 team in in raleigh or i'm sorry 3 and 1 well, team funny. actually i forgot they should have yeah, been 4 and 1 4 and 0 right it's funny because um I mean, you know, you, you mentioned you referenced NC State's NFL success, and I think right now they've got five graduates, if you want to call them that, because of the the Russell Wilson asterisk. But they've got five graduate uh, graduates in the NFL at quarterback right now, and which is you know obviously the most in that league, and and so that's still the big question at NC State. I think there's just a ton of expectations that comes with that position based on the recent success they've had there. And the question now is, are they playing the right guy? I think that's the question a lot of fans are having. It's constantly being debated on our on our website, Inside Pack Sports. Um, Dave Dorn gets asked about it, pretty much every availability. And I don't think Matt McKay, the starter right now, has really played bad. Um, but I think fans at NC State are holding him to, a, a, you know, in my opinion, a, a different standard for a guy who's a redshirt sophomore in his first year starting. Um, you know, again, 59% completion rate, three touchdowns, just one pick through four games, uh, has five, I think five rushing touchdowns on the year as well. 
He's been productive, been solid. I'm sure your listeners are familiar with the current backup, Bailey Hockman. He's a guy that a lot of NC State fans are asking to see. I think a lot of it's because of pedigree, but that's really where the questions are right now because I think you you hit the nail on the head when you talk about this team right now. I mean, this was always – I think NC State was always building with this team or the the current – where the program's at right now for 2020. I mean, they had they they've only got I think two seniors on their two deep offensively, um, so that everything's geared I think towards next year, and I think because of that the big question is you need or the big the, I think what fans want to see is you find that starting quarterback as soon as possible and groom him for next year. So if it's not Matt McKay, maybe it's Bailey Hockman, maybe it's Devin Leary, the other backup. And so I think that's kind of why a lot of fans are wondering, uh, are they playing the right guy right now? And so you're going into the end of this game at FFU, and it could be a situation where Florida State faces multiple quarterbacks. And and I know I've got a lot of buddies who are non-NC State fans, and they're asking me, why are they, you know, what's the deal at quarterback? Why are they changing guys? But that's kind of why, why it's happening. Yeah. So that and that anytime you have a little bit of quarterback uh, question or or controversy, that uh, that signals that things are are not real comfortable in terms of uh of of the results on the field and also in terms of leadership and other things so uh florida state has is very familiar with uh not having a quarter a settled quarterback position and right now they're kind of in the same boat again uh thanks to an injury to james blackman and also hornybrook coming in and, and playing awfully well in relief there so uh so yeah this is two teams that right now not entirely sure what's going on at the quarterback position. Now, one thing that has stood out for to me about NC State in recent years has been their play in the trenches. They've been uh-huh. so good on the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, I think a lot of that goes to their their strength program and how how good they've uh, they've they've been in that that department and just their overall development of those players on the lines. But they did lose their offensive line coach uh, as. Uh, he, he went and ended up actually, he was at, he's at Louisville now after, uh, Eliah, uh, Drinkwitz became the, the head coach at, uh, at, um, App State. So now there's a new, a new sheriff in town running the, uh, running the offensive line. You've also got a different defensive scheme that's been installed. So there's been a lot of change Mm -hmm. in terms of what they're doing on both sides of the ball. From what I could tell in recent years, NC State has been a zone running team, inside zone heavy, running a lot of inside zone, outside zone. Again, what Florida State saw last week from uh, from Louisville. This year, it looks like they're running a lot of gap stuff, you know, a little bit more pulling, a little bit more power, some of that stuff, uh, a, a bit of a different emphasis up front. Is my impression right there? Yes, it's more of a, a mixture for sure. You know, primarily under Drinkwitz and Ledford, it was almost all exclusively zone, outside zone, inside zone, stretch zone. And now you're seeing a lot a lot more gap. And I think a lot of that's due to McKay, um, you know, having a more mobile quarterback. They're, they're, they're running more QB power. Um, they're doing some things with him in the zone read game um, in terms of pulling guys, just different types of wrinkles up front to help uh, kind of open him and, and really get him going more as a runner. And I think that's kind of, kind of been one of the ch- changes they've been trying to do. I know Dorrance talked about it. They're, they're really trying to build this this offense around him, which is kind of one of the questions why I'm surprised there's been so much of a pushback from a, you know, uh, a, from the fans relative to the offense. Because, you know, if you look at, at what NC State's done through four games, I mean, this is a team that's they, – they've scored 34, 41, 27, and 34. So 
it's not like they've had a bunch of 10-7 games or 17-10. You know, they've played one road game at West Virginia. I mean, there's 57,000 fans there. You know, West Virginia's a tough crowd, man. And, I mean, they scored 27 on the road. So that's not a bad offensive performance. You know, I mean, so I've been kind of really surprised by it. But I do think from a, from a scheme standpoint – they are running more gap, um, and they've they've just they've done a great job of developing guys. I think you you hit it when you talked about the strength program. You know, you look at their their 2014 recruiting class, which was really Dave Dorn's first full class at NC State, and they had nine. So so basically, you could over the last two years, their starting offensive line and their starting defensive line were all well were all from that class, and. I think eight of those guys earned all conference honors and I believe six of them were drafted into the NFL. That's and good. that's out of one, that's out of one recruiting class. And you're just talking about one set of offensive linemen, one set of defensive linemen in 2017, all nine of their guys in the trenches were from that 2014 recruiting class. And I think six of those were drafted. And I believe, like I said, I believe seven of them um, were, were all conference. And so it, they, I think they, they kind of feel like they have a good feel for what they want to recruit in the trenches. D'Antonio Burnett, their strength coach, is a former linebacker at NC State, former player. Um, he, he's done a great job building those guys up, um, you know, reshaping their bodies. And, and they've, they've, they've just kind of – I don't think they've skipped a beat. You look at where they're at right now from an offensive standpoint. You mentioned a new offensive line coach through four games. I think they've allowed four sacks um, on 148 dropbacks. Uh, pretty good, <laughs> you know, it's pretty good stuff um, through four games. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think they've, they, they're still young and in, in the trenches, they're playing a couple of true freshmen, they're rotating in a bunch of guys, but I think they have a, they found a really good balance in terms of developing those guys up there and also building their scheme to where they're helping those, those guys by getting the ball out quickly and, and different things like that to where they're really trying to limit those negative plays. So sticking on the offensive side before we, we shift over to the new defensive look, uh, one thing that has stood out to me, and I think this might be one of the, one of the reasons that there's been a little bit of uh, discontent about the quarterback position, one thing that stood out to me this year is it doesn't look to me like they've really been able to find a solid downfield threat to really take the top off a of defense. I mean, I'm looking at the uh, average yards per, per completion on the season is 10.49 and I'm looking at the the starting wide receivers you've got uh Amizi who's you know he's a big a big receiver uh he's obviously the leading receiver he's got uh, twice as many as any anybody else in the team in terms of catches but he's averaging 10.8 10.08 yards per per catch next receiver Thayer Thomas 11.92 Tabari Hines uh, obviously a, a a legacy type name last name here uh, but a 13, just 13.73. And it doesn't, in, in watching them, it hasn't looked like they've really threatened teams over the top much. So how much should Florida State be worried about big plays from this wide receiver group? What, what, what can they expect in the passing game from, from that set of outside weapons? Well, that's been the big question. And the big, the big issue they've had is, is Matt McKay has not hit a deep ball yet. And that's, I think if he could do that, I think you'd probably see a lot of NC State fans sh uh, shut up, I think is the right way to, to label it. Because, I mean, he, he literally has not hit a deep 40-plus yard pass uh, on the year. And and now, to be fair, he hasn't attempted a lot. I think I think NC State's been running an offense 
that's been a lot of stuff underneath it. And I think he's a, you know, he, he's, he's a talented thrower. I mean, he, he's hit deep outs. He hit, he's hit seam routes. He's hit, he's very comfortable throwing underneath against zone man coverage. Um, it's just, he hasn't found a way to hit that deep ball. I, I think if NC state's going to do that in this game, they're going to scheme it up from a trick play standpoint. Um, I think that's the way they're going to get it or get, get one of those guys deep. I mean, they had a big loss, um, in the opener against East Carolina, CJ Riley, they're starting, uh, X receiver, uh, six foot four. He was, a, he's the fastest player on the team run. He ran a four, three, eight this summer for NC state. He's their fastest guy. Um, he was going to be that vertical threat. He, he blew his knee out, uh, in the opener, a red shirt junior. I thought he was going to have a big year for them because they, you know, Matt, Matt's played, I've seen him play now, I think in six games going back to last year when he served as the backup and through the first four games of this year, add in the, um, the spring game. I've seen him play, I guess that's seven games extensively. And he's hit two deep balls in those seven games, and both of them were to, to C.J. Riley, one in the spring game, one last year at Clemson. And I think a lot of that's because he's overthrowing guys. And I don't know if it's if it's him from a, you know, just a he, – he can't get that timing down or if it's what you mentioned. There's not that speed, vertical-type guy um, at receiver right now. They actually made a change last week. They moved uh, true freshman Cecil Powell a kid from Sunrise, Florida. Um, they recruited him to play defensive back. They actually moved him to wide receiver because Doran had talked about it that he was right behind, um, right behind Riley in their in their in their summer testing in terms of the forty. Like I think the second fastest guy on the team, and I think they're literally moving him to offense to have him run vertical routes to try and take the top off some defenses because it's going to help their underneath game more, and it'll obviously help their running game. But you're right. I mean that's been the big issue with NC State offensively. They haven't found a way to hit a deep ball. Yeah, and that, that's something that Florida State fans uh, will sort of cringe a little bit at, that this defense, at least through the first three games, was very passive in terms of how they covered, and they let Boise, ULM, and Virginia complete all sorts of stuff underneath, but didn't demand, didn't dare them to beat them over the top. So they didn't give up a whole lot of big plays, but they just let teams matriculate slowly down the field and build up a ton of plays and it sounds like that's basically what North what, yeah. what North Carolina State's been doing this year. Yeah, so, and I'll give you a stat to kind of back that up. You know, um, NC State right now, they're 18th in the country in 10-plus yards plays. So they've, they've had 70 plays in the first four games that have gone for 10-plus yards. Well, they're 115th in 30-plus in yard plays. They've only had four. They've only had four. So <laughs> you think about that. That's a gap of 20 yards from 10 to 30 yards of 70 plays to four. So they're consistently getting those plays between the 10 to 20 yard range. I mean, and so even 20 plus is 22. So you think about that set from, they go from 70 to 22 in a span of 10 to 20 yards. So they've lived from an offensive standpoint, kind of in that range. And if they can find a way to get some sort of vertical game going, it's going to take their offense to another level. They just have, it hasn't clicked yet. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, they're a team that really likes to kind of beat teams a death by a thousand cuts. And that's to me why I've had a lot of um, I've been relatively pleased with McKay in his first year at starter. You know, he goes to West Virginia first road game. And I think he had three touchdown drives of, of 12 plays or more, 75 yards or more. And I mean, you'll take that, I think, from a first year starter um, if he gives you that type of a production in his first true road start. And so. Your hope is he continues to improve, but yeah, they've been a team that's been kind of like a you know death by a thousand cuts offensively. So let's go ahead and flip it over to the defense, and then I'll let you let you get out of here. But they they've switched to a different defensive system, different defensive scheme. Uh, 
can you talk about what they what they're doing and and you know looks like some odd front stuff and uh and how the what the adjustment has looked like so far and and where the the strengths and weaknesses have been defensively for NC State so far this season yeah, you know they they they've been primarily a four two five under under Doran and and Dave Huxtable, the defensive coordinator. But in the off season, they hired uh, Tony Gibson, who was a DC at West Virginia for a long time. You know he's been in that Big Twelve element, and he's had some productive defenses at West Virginia where you don't have a ton of talent. And and I think he's probably received a talent upgrade at NC State because I do think one of the things they've done well is recruit defensive talent and. Um, you know, he came in and installed a, a 3-3-5 scheme, and that's primarily what they're running. West Virginia runs it in the Big 12. Iowa State runs it. Both of those teams have been relatively successful playing all those air raid-type offenses from time to time. I mean, you know, as except, as successful as you can be. And and there's been some um, growing pains with it. You know, there have been some some positives. I mean, you, you look at some of the games, uh, they fared well against, against West Virginia. At times they were dominant. At times they struggled. Um, where where I think they're weak at with it right now is they're really struggling with their run fits on a lot of the perimeter runs, jet sweeps, uh, toss sweeps, you know, different things like that have really given them issues in the run game. Um, they, they're really, I think they're sound uh, up the middle. I mean, West Virginia didn't even try to run up the middle hardly against NC State, even with a 3-3 uh, front, but they were constantly tacking them on the perimeter with jet sweeps and different things like that. I really believe FSU with their speed, if they're going to scheme anything against NC State, you're going to see, and I don't know going in how much they've used that, but I'd imagine you see a lot of that. I know Ball State had a 14-yard touchdown run on a jet sweep in the last game. Um, they, they they popped a couple of big ones, you know, running jet sweeps against NC State. So I think that's that's the weakness, but where they've improved is they've become so much more creative with their schemes. You know, when you've got another guy standing up now, you can send players from different angles. I think it's helped them create more confusion. It's allowed them to get another cover guy on the field. They've struggled at times defending the slots. Um, you know, in a lot of these offenses, defending slot players, you go back to Syracuse or Clemson or even Florida State the last couple of years. And and because of, of taking off a defensive lineman, adding on a linebacker, it's enabled them to get um, – a little more creative with how they scheme on in the secondary. Sometimes they even shift it down to a three-two-six and go with you know just two linebackers and six defensive backs. And I mean they'll play that, you know, a full drive. It won't be just specifically a dime or a nickel because I think they tend to trust their front can stop run stop the run enough to where they're really trying to slow down teams from a passing standpoint. And so I think that's what you're getting from it right now is is that they've been able to cover better on the back end, um, but that they've really been susceptible to a lot of these edge runs because I think the, these guys are struggling now with, with where their run fits are uh, coming from different angles and different things like that in the secondary. Yeah. I've got some bad news for you about uh, how often Florida state uses uh, that jet sweep. Action. There you go. <laughs> that's, a lot. Uh, that's yeah. That is a core part of what Kendall Bryles has been doing this season, partly because of the uh, exceptional talent they've got at those slots. So you're going to see jet action, a lot in this game whether it goes to the jet or not you're going to see the, the jet action and if if they feel like there's a weakness there they'll they'll feed those slots quite a bit um now in terms of uh in terms of blitz percentage and all of that a lot of three three teams tend to be heavy pressure teams how often are they sending say six guys out of that are they are they primarily four 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 rushers or are they primarily five or six 
they're more they're in the four five range more than the five six i would think but they kind of send it from different angles i mean they'll bring a deep safety you know at late um i mean they they really they'll really mix it up now against ball state they were a lot more um high pressure now i think a lot of that had to do with lack of arm talent at at, at ball state from their quarterback now he, he came in productive i think they had i want to say they came into the game top 10 nationally in passing offense they were averaging right around 350 a game throwing it but when you watch him throw you could tell it wasn't the arm caliber that that you that you generally are seeing in the acc and different leagues like that and i think because of that nc state got a little bit more confident with their secondary and so there was a lot of man free i mean cover zero they were sending seven eight guys i mean they were sending everybody and and just trying to get to him and, and getting there and pressuring him getting him off his spot so i think you'll see them mix that up now mix that up a little more now i was a little for NC State, NC State's sake, I was a little worried that they wouldn't be doing that against FSU just because I, I know of how well, um, and we've already talked about this, how well James Blackman can throw the deep ball, how much velocity he's got on his ball to get it out. But um, I don't know how that will impact with if there is a change at quarterback, but I do know they do bring pressure. I mean, they're not going to be a team that's going to primarily rush three, rush four. I mean, they're, they're sending four, five, six regularly a lot of it's and a lot of it's run blitzing you know they'll keep their safeties around the box a lot of um a lot of man coverage on the slots i think they feel comfortable with the the caliber of athlete they've recruited the last couple of years in the secondary they're relatively young but they've landed some guys who are really good athletes and they're and they're, they're showing confidence in them and leaving them out on an island and and kind of um i guess taking their lumps with them i mean one of the things they've been really good at they've not allowed a lot of big plays uh, and I think I think some of that still is um is who they've played. I mean they haven't played your your, your Florida State, your Clemson's, uh, you know those teams yet. But I mean this is a team that that they've really done a good job of limiting. You know they've only allowed one play this year of over 40 plus yards through four games. So um I mean that's that's been something that they've done a, a good job at, and they've only allowed three over 30 yards. So. They, they've they they're covering a lot better than they have in recent years and and i think that because of that that's enabled them to have a lot more confidence with the blitz packages they're sending yeah that is that is really good information i'm gonna put you on the spot now so what do you think happens in this game what do you think the uh the percentages come down to in terms of uh who wins a game and then what what do you think the most likely outcome is yeah, man, you know, I've been the cover state since 2002 and, and Florida State for me, you'll you'll find it hard pressed. I'm going ever say anybody's a tougher game for NC State just because of the, the caliber of athlete they have. Obviously, Clemson is Clemson right now. And I, and I think regardless of the record, I still believe Florida State from a talent standpoint is not too far behind. And so I, I've thought all year and I know a lot of state fans, they've been on our forums kind of giving me hell about it. But I've thought all year this was NC State's second toughest game of the year behind Clemson. And I really believe that. I think it's going to be tough for NC State to go down there and win. I know Florida State's 2-2 two and two right now, and and they've got a couple of losses, but I, I think they could easily be 4-0. I think they're they're better than their record. Um, and so, you know, I, I'd lean Florida State right now probably 60-65%. Uh, but I do think there's a couple of things that NC State does that could give FSU, FSU some problems. For one, they don't turn the ball over. You know, they've only had two turnovers through the first four games. Both of them came in the last game, and both of them were on tipped balls. I mean, they were just complete flukes. One of them was a, was a kicked ball. They had a ball batted down that was kicked up by the receiver and intercepted. I mean, it that and that's it, two turnovers through four games. They generally have been a team that haven't had a ton of penalties. 
Um, they try not to beat themselves. And I already mentioned it earlier. They've shown a propensity to be able to sustain drives. And, and I think that's what you're going to have to do against a team like Florida State because um, I think that they're going to try and wear down Florida State's defense. I think if they can do that, they'll have a shot. And I do think it'll be a close game. But but again, I've said all along, all offseason, heading into the season, even now, I think it'll be hard for NC State to go and win in Tallahassee this year. You have a final score. You're going to hold on to that until later in the week. Yeah, I'm, no, no. I'm gonna say um, I, I'm thinking something along the lines of FSU 35, NC State uh, 31, something right around there. <laughs> we're in pretty, um, yeah, we're in pretty mean, close you, company. Yeah, we're we're very close. I mean, I think over under is right around 60. I believe last I looked, um, and so they maybe higher. I think they're expecting a high scoring game. I, I do think the question mark is going to be Hornybrook if he ends up being the guy. You know, I don't know what to expect from him. Um, I think he played well against Louisville, but I don't, I still don't know how good defensively Louisville really is, you know? Um, so I do think NC state's a good defensive team. I do. I think the wait, I think the West Virginia game, uh, was a little bit of a, um, uh, I, I don't want to say flukes the right word. They just didn't play well. First road game of the year without a couple guys that they should have back for FSU. Um, I, I, I do think they'll be fine defensively, even though I am predicting a high-scoring game. I just think Florida State, man, this, when you're playing that style of play with so many plays, it only takes one. <laughs> you know, it only you, you watch that Louisville game. I caught the end. Of, I caught a lot of that fourth quarter, and it felt like FSU was fading, and then they hit Terry on that bomb, right? And so, it, it, you know, with, with the skill they have, man, it's just so hard keeping them down with the number of plays they run offensively. And I think they're going to find a way to get their points. Well, this is uh, this has been extremely informative. It always is with you, James. Uh, you know, I don't have a ton of guests on this show, partly because I I tend to think that a lot of the people who uh, I might be able to bring on aren't all that good. You are definitely an exception to this, uh, and I really appreciate uh, your contributions here. Uh, for for the for the listeners, once again, if they want to if they want to uh, follow along and and get a sense of uh, of where NC State's at. Go ahead and and let them know what they uh, what they what they where they can find you and uh, and and all of that. Yeah, you can find uh, my stuff at InsidePackSports.com. That's my website. We've been around for three years now, and I'm on Twitter at InsidePackSport with no S at the end. And yeah, I mean, just make sure you check us out. We have a ton of coverage on the game. We'll have a writer down there uh, down at down in Tallahassee covering the game, and and I'm really excited about it. I think this is a good matchup, man. I mean, I, I've I've been a you know, it's hard, you know, when you cover a team to quote unquote have fan have to be a fan of another team. But I've always followed Florida State from afar. I mean, I, I really ever all the way back to Bobby Bowden. I mean, I've been uh, just I mean, I really impressed with them. And, and you know, I hope they can get back to where they are because I, where they where they have been, because I, I want this league to be the best in the country. I really do. And I think it's hard for it to get there if your traditional teams aren't there, you know. And so for me. I mean, I, I think NC State's building, you know, back-to-back nine-win seasons, 11 ACC wins the last two years. But you need your Florida State, you need your Miamis, you need those teams to be really good as well. Once again, James, thanks so much for, for uh, hopping on here and helping us out in terms of what we needed to know. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you go. And here's to a, an entertaining game on Saturday. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Really interesting stuff there from James Henderson. Before I conclude the show, I am going to thank my second sponsor, and that is Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. As I've said numerous times, 
He's the best in the business, a trained videographer and photographer. If you have any real estate needs in the greater Jacksonville area, you need to talk to Lewis. Let him know you heard about him from the Unconquered podcast, and you'll get some special consideration there. And uh, it'll definitely uh, help the podcast out as well. And my third sponsor as well, I'm going to go ahead and get that one in as well. That is Garage Makeovers. They're the top-rated garage remodeling company in South Florida. If you're in Palm Beach and Broward County and you need any garage work done, you need to call Nathan at Garage Makeovers for all your storage and organizational needs, information in the show notes. Let him know you heard about him from the Unconquered podcast. Well, that was very, very interesting. There were a few things in there that I didn't know coming in, and I've, I've, I've definitely watched NC State some. Uh, maybe the most important thing, I think, is their inability to beat teams downfield. You've got a quarterback that has yet to complete a deep ball. If you're Florida State, you'd better come into this game and demand that he complete deep ball after deep ball for them to beat you. Force them to beat you over the top. If you give up a couple deep balls, that's okay. As long as you're getting three and outs in exchange for that, and as long as you're getting the ball back to your offense, you know, I, I would have, like I said on the podcast, uh, on, in the interview, I would have picked NC State to win this game a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think Florida State is on the upward trajectory, especially defensively, with Jim Levitt on board and with what they, with what they did schematically uh, and the, the, the greater aggressiveness they played with in the secondary. Uh, I've also heard from, from people around the program uh, over the last week that they feel like the defense has turned a corner in terms of understanding what they're being asked to do. I mean, this is the third defensive scheme they've had in three years, and both coaches and players were uncomfortable. We're not, we're really not fully understanding what the, what, what was going on in the first, uh, first four weeks and, uh, and players in particular really hadn't settled in and they feel like the last three weeks, there's really been a lot more growth and that they feel like uh, a lot of those players are settling in and understand their roles and are now able to respond rather than just thinking or trying to play outside the confines of the system. So if that's the case, and they, and they do play more aggressively in the secondary, it's hard for me to pick against Florida State against a team that can't beat you deep or hasn't shown that they can beat you deep. So ultimately, I'm going to take Florida State to win this game as well. I think this is now right around a 65 or 70% chance. It's a similar uh, similar kind of chance as what you're, what they got against against Louisville. I think it's a very similar game. And I hopefully if you're Florida state, you build on what you did last week and you're able to play just a little bit better, but I think it's about the same odds of winning and roughly a a comparable game. So I'm going to go with Florida state wins this game 38 to 27. Actually, no, I'm going to go a little bit. I I think the defense is going to play a little bit better in this one. So I'm going to go Florida state wins this 38 to 24 in this game. And, uh, and that, that'll be my final answer. Uh, with about a 70% win share or win, win chance uh, odds of winning this game. So we'll see what happens, but it really boils down to can they play, continue to play with aggression and limit the run game on defense, and are they going to be able to, uh, to continue to build with, on what they did last week offensively and uh, continue to get decent run blocking and, and set up the passing game downfield and get some shots on, on those uh, – on, on NC State's secondary, which has given up some plays this year. So like I said, I'm going to go with 38 to 24, Florida State, 70% chance of winning the game. And before I go, I do want to thank the patrons above the bleached numbers level, and that is Keith Chaney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, and Burt Bertoldi. As always, very grateful for your support. I will talk to you all 
for the Hot Takes podcast on Saturday night. Until then, this has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this. <laughs>